This podcast is brought to you by The Learning Connection, School of Creativity and Art, tlc.ac.nz. So kia ora, everyone. Thanks very much for making this artist talk. We have artist talks, usually a couple of times a term, which feature staff, alumni, current honours students, and so we try and go across the, the board. Today, it gives me a great pleasure to welcome Shane Lena Stackhouse. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Awesome. So the first question I often ask the guests who come along is, um, did TLC find you or did you find TLC? Um, we've kind of, uh, it's a bit of both really. TLC um, kind of found us. When I started TLC, I actually wanted to do real, realism drawing and I had a lot of uh, video game characters that I used to draw, draw and um, just copy from, just in pencil drawings. So. As soon as I got there, I was addicted to doing Roger Key's class and drawing it. So that's essentially where I started as a student here. Mm, great. So, you know, funny that. And how did you um, find out about TLC? Did you we see it on the web or did you hear a word about it? I think via the email, uh, sorry, via the uh, website at the time. I can't remember. I think it was probably a website. Probably. Mm, yeah, great. So it was cool. What about you, Lena? Uh, we had a family friend who was doing distance delivery at the time. Mm. And I loved the work she was creating. Um, and so we were talking about options after high school. Um, and it seemed to be the least academic one where you could actually explore what you wanted to make. So, mm. Great. Yeah, that's how I was ended up here. What sort of time frame are we looking to share? When did you become a student here at TLC? I started in 2010, I believe, and I was 16 years old. So I was pretty young. So. Mm. Great. Yeah. What about you, Lena? The year after. Mm. Choice. And what about leading up to the Learning Connection? What were you both doing? Um, I was still exploring drawing at that stage I, before I came to TLC. So I'd kind of learned skills in pencil drawing and I was uh, starting my YouTube channel with uh, speed painting or speed drawing. So I'd video myself doing the picture and I'd have like my really terrible like, video camera phone propped up at a certain angle to basically show the record of where I was drawing and then I'd speed that video up by really uh, kind of by 10 or something. And then upload that to YouTube and put a song with it and that was kind of where it went really. So. What gave you that idea to showcase your creativity at the time? Um, I was just looking at other people that were still drawing as well on, again, YouTube and on, I don't know if Facebook was there at that time, probably just about, but yeah. yeah, especially since YouTube has been around since about 2005, people are always uploading images and drawing and stuff, and I was like, bugger that, I want to do that. So, right. Yeah. And was creativity cool. for you something that was weaved throughout your life as a, as a young Absolutely. child? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Drawing, 3D? Not really what kind drawing. Of I think the first, I think we got video cameras on like mum's video camera of me playing with um, plasticine and making these. Um, little dinosaur characters when I was a lot younger, so that was pretty cool. I think that was sort of the initial recorded amount of uh, art that I started making. Mm. But I used to do these really cool dinosaurs, and um, the obviously the spines on the dinosaurs, I don't know, really know what they were called, so as I had finished the dinosaur, the best part about making it was that I would like pinch the from the head down to create the, the spines on the back of the dinosaur, but I called them sharps, so they were just called sharps. So yeah. I was just Maybe Excellent. That you can recall that early memory with oh, your Absolutely. Creativity. That is just ingrained in me at all yeah. times. So, yeah, it's awesome. What about you, Lena? Um, I did a lot of art in high school. Um, it was probably the only subject I actually attended. 
Um, and my mum's always been creative, so we always had heaps of craft supplies and um, stuff in the house, but all 2D or like kind of something you can use hot glue with. Mm. Um, and then when I came to TLC, it was like a crazy opportunity to explore different things. Mm. Um, yeah, it was. I came here to do illustration and comic books, and I didn't even get started on that. Um, <laughs> I ended up. Uh, I did a couple of drawing classes and then Hannah and Owen Mapp had a show at Expressions Gallery and um, that was the first time I'd seen bone carvings that weren't simple shapes and he, he had these feathers and they were like $600 each and I couldn't afford one so I was like, okay, I'll well, try and make one. Um, <laughs> as you do, you do. being an artist. <laughs> right. So it was like the inspiration from someone else's creativity? Yeah. That you went, wow, how do I do that? Mm. Yeah. Sort of created that curiosity. Mm, I'd just never seen the medium used that way. Um, didn't have a lot of input with that kind of stuff growing up. So mm. it, was, uh, it was really awesome to go from there and think about that medium and use it, using it differently to explore different things. So would you say at that point your creativity at the Learning Connection sort of veered off and change direction? Completely. Or, yeah, I, I didn't really media. do a lot of 2D after that. I think I did a couple of your drawing classes. Mm. Um, but yeah, my carving became my main focus from that point on. Mm. Haven't really stopped. Fantastic. And Shay, you mentioned before the, the drawing that you were doing, yeah, speed yeah. drawing and the realistic drawing you were doing yeah. with some of Roger Key's guidance. Yep. And how long did you sustain that for? Or when was it the when when did it happen that you started to find other materials? You well, I started I started working with um, I think the first class that I played with was um, Hannah's uh, Maker Ring weekend class. So mm. that was bare bones, basic kind of bend a piece of copper and solder it and make a ring. So which is still what she does now to get people inspired. So which mm. is awesome. But uh, that's the first I think first class I ever did um, where I played with metal. Um, learned like what, what what heat does to metal and worked out you know if you apply the heat you can really do some quite creative things with with the material or the metal or whatever it is at the time um, under those those temperatures so I think that's what you know sparked it off to get me going. Yeah. So interesting eh, the idea of curiosity intrinsic motivation core drivers yep. falling in love mm. with processes that want you to you know continue to see the possibility. Mm. So that's great that you know you at the learning connection you found that sort of space to be able to play and see where things could lead next for you. I think a lot of people do. You come here with a really set focus of what you want to accomplish, and then you try something else, and it's completely unrelated to what you initially wanted to do, and you just veer off in this completely different way. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty exciting to be able to do that. There's not a lot of places that really offer that freedom. Usually you pick something and you have to stick to it. Mm. How did you find the different levels of our study with CERT, DIP and so on, in terms of your own creative focuses? Um, certificate was, again, because I was still drawing at that stage, I really just sort of worked on drawing and sort of improving my skills and stuff like that, really. I think it was when I came out of certificate onto diploma that um, I was doing jewellery classes and then obviously discovered hot arts and mm. you know I never went back really so mm. <laughs> I fell in love with making knives making um, my first knife was just this little chef's knife cooking knife and um, what Dennis likes to promote in his classes is that make a knife that you're going to use and I still try to live by that as well because a cooking knife or something that you're going to use every day 
um, as an art form is a really cool, satisfying thing to be able to have a knife, use it, sort of review it and look at it several years down the track and go, right, you know, that, that's a good knife. So mm, I think that's important. So it's about that sort of diploma time you started to that's what hone I started, your focus? I started to hone down on that, yeah. Mm. Um, uh, after I made a few knives, I made different shapes, profiles, all of the above, and then I did more and more research. As you, as you kind of sort of look at diff working with different types of steels and metals, uh, I stumbled upon this uh, sort of mixed metals called Damascus or pattern welded steel, and then I fell in love with that because um, those that don't know about it, but it's essentially folding steels to produce a type of uh, water-like grain structure on the surface of the blade, and that is just an amazing. Um, I was wondering if we had any pictures, but we don't. Yeah, but we have. Um, just we have a couple of pictures of of those as well, and obviously in a picture form it's easier to describe. But you've got these wonderful um, patterns that you can't actually recreate a second time. You know, so once you've got the pattern, that's it. You can't really uh, recreate it again. So that's always such a, a surprise to me every time I make a blade. I've always got this new pattern to look forward to, so I find that quite exciting. And as soon as I started investigating into that, working on that, um, my honours program turned into creating blades out of this material. Once I worked how uh, it stuck together correctly and how it all how it all worked in terms of joining them, mm. there's a lot of uh, metallurgy and um, technicalities that have to apply with working with metals and things. So you have to kind of work within those boundaries. Um, but again, still working with, um, again, pattern making and working out what sticks, what doesn't. It's sort of a very trial and error um, situation at that point. It's great, that idea yeah. of craftsmanship, um, creativity, uh, science, yeah. and all those things fusing together. And then the documentation of your work too. I mean, it's amazing that the way you showcase your work. And Lena, you spent some time here doing some photography as well? Yeah, um, when Shay and I because um, we met here, I started helping him photograph his work because I don't think he had a camera at that point. No. Um, and after taking some really bad images where you can see your whole face in the knife because it's so shiny, um, <laughs> I decided I'd, I should probably upskill on that if I wanted to be able to photograph these and capture the patterns in the blades because it's really difficult um, in jewellery as well, photographing shiny surfaces. Mm. It's really uh, I remember seeing some of your work at the end of your diploma program where I think you were still focusing on a few different areas of creativity and I remember seeing some early signs of photography, not necessarily what we're seeing here, but mm. just your own investigation of the, the media mm. and to see the way it's all tying together and you can see that creative journey well underway, but for a while I don't think we always know where it's going, we sort of just trust in the creative process that things will you know, move in the direction we hope they move in. Mm. Yeah, yeah the photography stuff um, and just generally jumping between subjects is something I still do. Um, carving's my primary, but I'm not good at picking one thing. So mm. I've, I've still got drawings and paintings I'm working on and other photography projects. Um, I have a bit of an obsession with textures, which is probably some of the stuff you've seen mm. in my f past photography projects, mm. which I try to replicate with my carvings. Um, so. Great. So really interesting that you went for the different programs and things were shaping up. What about uh, moving into advanced diploma? That was both an area you both yep, we've, moved into? we've both done advanced. Yeah, tell um, us. With advanced diploma, um, my mentor was John Cornish, so we sort of worked out 
what um, sort of the core basis of the um, advanced diploma was about in terms or in relation to my practice and that's kind of we both approached each other with quite um, opinionated views of what we were both wanting out of the curriculum so we we got there and we really worked out a, a, a sort of a, a solution in terms of what I was doing with metal because I said look I really want to um, work with the pattern welded steel and investigate into the histories about it and uh, like tamahagane and wood steels and all sorts of uh, uh, ancient te ancient techniques of metalworking and apply that to to what what I'm working uh, with and essentially w what we discovered is that the the process of um, heating and beating the metal was was the process so it wasn't about making a knife out of that um, piece of material it was about what I could do with it and we had this sort of a, a make it until you break it work, work um, system where I would push that material as far as I can um, with with stress tests and all sorts of um, will, it, will it bend under this heat? So that was all documented and, and sort of um, kind of categorised and working out what the materials uh, limitations is. And I only think I've scraped the surface with it. You know, it's just there's such a big universe of um, metals and steels that you know <laughs> we're not going to get it all, <laughs> but mm. it's. Great. That's essentially the advanced diploma for yeah, exp expansion so on that knowledge of the material and its yeah, possibilities. Yeah, yeah, and just true understanding of it as well. Just understanding that you can do certain things to it and apply certain heats, and you get that outcome. And it's always going to be different. Mm, great. What about you, Lena? Um, my advanced diploma is a bit different because Shay did his on site, um, and then we moved to Hawkes Bay when I was doing mine. So it was a lot more. Um, playing with ideas and reflecting on my practice at the time because it was quite isolated for living out in an orchard. Um, and I started pulling back in surrealist ideas, which wasn't really in line with the, the materiality aspects that you start with at the start of the advanced diploma. But um, it, it just kept evolving and I used uh, plastic as my main medium. Mm. Um, and kind of exploring the way that you can use light as line when you're capturing an image of something made of plastic because you don't necessarily show the full form if you take a close-up or mm. depending on how you've lit the piece that's all you've got that's kind of the marks and that's based fully on what you do to it the process of mm. how you got to that finished work will affect the surface uh, but a lot of my works turned out very organic anyway even though they were industrial materials, industrial glad wrap and plastic bottles. Um, a lot of them had very insects-like forms or cocoon web influences. Sure. Um, they just kind of evolved on their own as part of the process, just inherently look like that when you start to heat and melt things. Great. A wonderful summation of those processes that you went through in terms of the different parts of our program. What about the collaboration aspect? Because we see uh, some works done by individuals, and then we see some works where uh, there's a fusion, there's a collaborative element going on. Yeah, there's, there's, there's an adventure. Um, we kind of looked at combining our works um, in a sense where I'd like to kind of showcase the, the Damascus steel that I had without um, kind of getting in the way of Lena's carving work and, and the bone and the sort of we had a theme going on with this. Um, well, particular series, again, what's on the table there as well, but that particular series of working with having metal, carved bone, and um, 
the Damascus mm -hmm. steel kind of included, but not in the in the sense of a knife. It's sort of in the sense of a small amount of that sort of being integrated into the work. So we came up with all sorts of crazy ideas with what we, how we <laughs> how we put them together and make them. So some of these works that you you guys have there um, sort of results of that. I think um, I don't know. We we just sort of looked at it, worked at it, and thought, well. How can we combine them, yeah. really? Um, Did it rejuvenate your practice in terms of, you know, you, you, you're working a material to see its possibilities and all of a sudden you're trying to fuse two different per person's ideas mm. together to see those possibilities? I think fusing them initially um, was, was a respect for the other person's mm. artwork. I think you, you, you get a, a much better point of view or the, the whole idea of that, how they go about making works um, for Lena's work, it's incredibly subtractive. She has to carve the material away, getting rid of um, excess to achieve the desired shape. Whereas mine is the complete opposite. I have to forge it and it's malleable. It's like clay for those that do clay work. I have to push and pull it to the achieved shape. And applying those two incredibly different work practices was, yeah, a challenge, but also gave us appreciation for each other's work, I think. Right. In my, my opinion, yeah. Would you recommend collaboration to other people? In Absolutely. Terms of yep, yeah. yep. I would totally recommend um, people to go out and just go, hey, how can we apply someone that works down in ceramics with someone who paints up top or someone who works in hot arts and someone from illustration? So something, just combine them and see what works because that really creates this new little universe out of those two and how you can work. And it's, again, it's that appreciation for the other person's work. And right that consideration, I think, that just the overall respect, really. It's a really powerful way of uh, elevating a creative experience. Absolutely. And it's great you can suggest that. I mean, so many other forms of art with music. You have uh, solos, you have duets, you have group performance, so, mm -hmm. and theatre and film. So it's interesting, you know, visual arts, taking that, that idea on board and expanding on it. Mm. <coughs> I think you, um, you have to have a really clear plan when you go into this. And usually one person will lead the collaboration. Most of these were based on my design work um, because my material had more limitations than Shay's. Uh, so he made the blades to my specifications or did parts of the, um, the jewellery work like inlaying the stones and stuff. Great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you've got to learn to compromise and uh, appreciate that sometimes it won't work. Hmm. Um, we had a lot that didn't work. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> quite a few of them that just didn't work out and we couldn't decide on how we wanted the final product to look. Yeah. Or my material, he, he made the blade one way and my material just couldn't adapt. Align with it? Or yeah, whatever. I hadn't allowed enough and you take too much or it just didn't turn out the way that, that we wanted. So. Nice, a metaphor, nice, nice me metaphor for how a relationship works too, but a give and take depending yeah, on the situation. Absolutely. It's definitely a lot of compromise, um, but it, it can really expand your work because you're playing with ideas that you may not have even looked at. Mm. I, I, when I think of bone carving, or when I used to think of bone carving, these kind of things is not what comes to mind. Mm. These kind of undulating insect forms with blades, it's not really mm. what you think of when you think bone carving in New Zealand. So it's definitely no, expands really, that. You wouldn't think of it that way. Beautifully said. And in terms of showcasing your work, these were made for an exhibition? Um, these were made for Spirit Tree, which was an exhibition with yourself, Robert, 
Christina, Natalie and Hannah. Um, and they were, it was p what pushed us to do collaborative pieces. Mm. Um, initially, Shay had been invited to exhibit, but he had a lot of simple cooking knives at that time and we wanted something that was a bit more... Inspiring and out there that, that really grabbed your attention, I think. Mm. Conversation pieces, really. So that was sort of the motivation, I suppose, to get us to actually work in collaborative works and go, look, we have to make some things that are going to be really groovy and really cool. Mm. And I think these are evidence of that, really. Great. What are the early steps of your creative journey when it came to sharing? Was it online? Was it at the student exhibitions here? Was it beyond? Tell us more about yeah, the way you've exhibited, either by yourselves mm. or together. Um, we both exhibited quite a lot in the student exhibition. Yeah. And uh, we've been, it's not necessarily putting our work out there, but we put ourselves out there. Um, during our diploma programs, or Shay's Honours, we were involved in almost every TLC event we could get into. So um, exhibitions, graduation, help, helping out with that. Um, external events, like I think we did, a, Carrie did a fundraiser for World Art Games, which we helped out yeah. with. Um, we've done forging on the beach. Yeah, we're part of the Tony Winter Carnival. So yeah, we bring the furnaces down to the beach and essentially do a bit of a forging live demo for people that mm. were part of that event. So. I think we had examples at those and um, careers sure days, mm. helping out with that, engaging with people, trying to inspire them and showing them possibilities. Mm. So it doesn't have to be a, a really formal context where you're showing your work, it's just getting out into the community as well. Yeah. Which, yeah. it teaches you so many skills that you... You don't learn. Yeah, you don't get them unless you start putting yourself out there. I think that's really awesome that TLC offers that. It's great that you mentioned the end of term exhibitions, getting involved, showcasing, and then just learning the processes and the benefits of sharing what you do. Exhibitions can be so intimidating if, if you've never been involved with one before. Mm. Hanging pieces or like sculpture works, because all of ours were um, small pieces, either jewellery or bladed, it's like, oh, that needs to go in a cabinet. Something we hadn't really planned beforehand because you know that could be dangerous if someone picks it up and you have to keep it away from children if you're at a carnival and yeah you know things that you might not have considered um, and we left for the spiritual exhibition we left all of these to the last minute and um, I wouldn't sure. recommend that for collaborative pieces it just uh, increases the pressure a little bit more do you think artists do that a little bit on purpose like they do this build-up phase this thinking phase that the gestation, and then it's like, oh, I've got this much time to go, and they've got that deadline. And I, I think you can really pull out some wonderful stuff in that, that really t tiny amount of time. It, it'll either go incredibly well or just really, really bad, I think, in my opinion. But the, the more you can kind of, uh, I think, if you actually put yourself in that situation, the more, um, the more you do, the more you can actually control that. And I think that's learning to control that type of, um, I suppose, excitement, that, you know, that anxiety of like, oh, it's due tomorrow, you know, uh, what, what do I do? <laughs> so I think working with that can actually um, sort of improve you as an artist with, with your work and how you, you can operate. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. I've seen it over the years so many times. And sometimes the more uh, known an artist becomes, the more they push that limit. You know, Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> openings at six and someone walks in with a wet painting, you know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. at five o'clock. So I think, you know, it happens. <laughs> like you said, you learn your limits. 
Yeah. Mm. And I think yeah. going through these processes you allow you, allows you to work out where you sit and what, yeah. what works best for you. Yeah, being organised or just sitting and build. Yeah, I think you learn a lot of different creative skills that apply to different things as well. Like that, being able to manage things to down to the minute if you have to, definitely translates into stressful job roles. You know that you can get it done at the last minute if you have to, so you don't panic. You can yeah. stay calm and you, okay, I, I know that we've got 10 minutes to set this up. We can do it. I've it's been fine. Here <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to us about, I mean, exhibiting your own personal expression can be quite different to when you're commissioned. Could you talk about commissions and what that process is like, or even like your first commission and what, yeah, what the, the headspace is around that? Um, I probably do more commissions than Lena does. Uh, the way, uh, at the moment, it's, it, was, it was sort of tricky with commissions. You kind of work out what they want and what they don't want. But um, that's through kind of a trial and error situation. But um, what we currently do, which um, I really like, is that if someone's interested in a commission, um, we do an initial meetup. Uh, we say, look, pick a coffee place that you'd like to chill out at, and I'll bring some uh, blades, some photos, and some things to um, help inspire you, because you don't know what they want. So you need to help them um, help work out what they want and what they want to um, get out of you in terms of the job, really, or the, the artwork that, that's needed. So um, if they've got a general idea in mind um, in terms of a picture or a profile or something, um, I can work off that and we can kind of work with um, sort of technicalities, whether they're sort of left-handed or right-handed, if it's going to be a cooking knife, what are they going to use it for? Mm. You know, are they, are they wanting a really thin knife and then they're going to use the tip and break the top off and for opening, <laughs> opening a can or something, which happens a lot. Um, I think that's that's the most important part. While we're discussing what they want, um, I sort of offer, do you want normal steel or would you like Damascus steel? And I kind of present two options and say, look, this is this is the variant in, in, the, in the normal steel or just non-patterned. And then this is the patterned material. And I mean, nine times out of 10, they fall in love with the patterned material. So mm -hmm. uh, that's where we go. And um, if they're not sure about handles, I bring a really large block of plastilina along as well, because everyone's hands are different. And if they want a particular type of handle, and I did have one client or one guy say, he wanted this really random handle that didn't fit my hand at all, but it fit his hand absolutely perfectly. And it kind of went against every handle I've made. It was just a weird handle, and I did not like it at all. And I was like, oh, I hope it's going to fit, and I hope it's going to be okay for him. And he still loved, he, he still loves it to this day. I actually caught up with him in the, in the countdown the other day. I was like, hey, how's it going? So that was cool. And yeah, that, that working with molding the handle um, gave them an idea of what they're trying to trying to want really or what they're wanting with the, the type of handle. Um, What's that uh, experience like of presenting the work to the person who's commissioned it? Um, it's scary. pretty nerve-wracking, yeah it's scary because I mean I think it's more scary when you've <coughs> made the commission and then you kind of go back to the, the, the second meetup where we go present the goods and oh my, I, I really hope they like it and mm. um, you really want to make sure it's uh, what they want um, and with a commission it needs to be what they want and you do anything you can in order to to work, work around that so I think that's really important. Um, I think that the most important thing with commissions is getting expectations clear on both sides mm. 
And that's where we've had issues in the past. Um, they're, they're, you need to try and find out their budget, what they're wanting to pay for the piece that you're making and then make compromises to the design if what you're making is completely out of what they're wanting to pay for. Mm. Um, and yeah, the, the communication is so important with the client and, and your expectations as well. Like, do you need a deposit upfront to buy materials? We, we usually ask for a deposit, that way you know that the client is serious. That, yeah, if you put a, it's like putting something on lay-by, you need to commit to that, otherwise you, they might come back to you in two weeks. Oh, I don't want it anymore. I don't want it now. And we've had that a good couple of times easily and you yeah. can't do anything about it. It's interesting, the idea of contract or, you know, putting in some, down, some sort of deposit. Mm. And it's a learning experience. I mean, mm. the business skills of an artist develop over time, just like the marketing opportunities Absolutely. and the way you market and document your work. You can just see that probably continually building. Mm. Shay, have you ever experienced a commission where you've made something, the person doesn't react that much, but then maybe four weeks later they give you this wonderful email about how much they love it? Yep, I've had that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Interesting. Um, that, I suppose it's just how people react inside. A lot of people just go, oh my God, as soon as they see it. But mm. I think... Um, in terms of, we'll go back to the, in terms of just a blade or a knife, they might have to use it for a good number of times mm. before they go, wow, this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And you don't really know that until um, you've used it, tested mm. it out, had that experience of working with it, and then you you develop this, this pleasure of, hey, I really like this knife now. And then, yeah, they'll email back and say, it's cutting wonderfully, not had any issues, mm. you know, it's as sharp as anything all, all of the above, so. People just gotta live I with it. I have that a lot. Yeah, they have to live with it and just mm. get get um, acquainted with their, their new artwork, because it is a tool, but it is it is still artwork in that, in my view. But it's just that functional element they need to uh, be involved with, I think. Mm -hmm. More on the business side, which is kind of more my thing, as Shay does most of the commissions, um, that kind of feedback's really important you have an artist page or a website, getting people to give you testimonials is really powerful. Yeah. Um, most of our clients come back for a second knife if they've purchased one because right. they give it as a gift but they fall in love with it when mm. they get it. Um, then they need mm. another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or or they, yeah, they bought it for, for a friend or something and then they say, oh, I don't want to give it to them. Yeah, they, they <laughs> keep they it. Yeah. I'll get another one. <laughs> we yeah. have to yes. have another one. Yeah. We, um, can relate to that. We do try to document them. Like The photographs is one thing but we have um, a certificate that goes out with each commissioned piece now so that we have a record of exactly what we made and they have something like for an insurance claim, which is something you don't really think about when you're starting out, but if your piece is worth $500, okay. $1,000, you know, mm. um, and they don't have a record of it and you don't have a record of it, it's mm. pretty hard to, to get that back. And, and the, um, the certificate also just has a record of um, if I might add, just the record of the materials that were involved with it, like where they came from or what they were, if they were a type of deer antler or if they were a beef bone or um, whether the steels were used were repurposed or recycled or whether they were built for brand new. I think that's kind of also important with the, the overall process. They get the, the, the client gets an understanding of, you know, they made it out of that. That's pretty cool. It's know. great. It's like product information. It's absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And it looks really good if you give it as a gift with something that's got a bit more information. Yeah. It just about adds, it. it's that icing on the cake that they've got this little bit of, you know, text. This is what it is, who it's for. Turn it over. There's the image. It's just this, this entire package. Awesome. So it's not just the, the initial work that took most of the time, it's just the time with photographing it, 
getting all that other information, which we mostly do really. But. Such a big part of the creativity spiral too. Totally. You know, idea, action comes quite freely, but then feedback review allows you to you know, uh, reflect on what's working and how that could uh, evolve further. Pausing that, because uh, creativity happens in the, the art we make, but also it can happen in all aspects. Would you like to talk more about this photograph? All right, this was our wedding day, essentially. Um, we wanted a, it kind of didn't turn into it, kind of turned into a medieval themed, kind of medieval themed wedding. And we had that at um, Staglands. So um, that's outside the barn, if you've, all, if you've been there before. Um, it's a pretty cool place. So it set the theme really nicely and uh, yeah. Uh, everyone in that photo everyone is either a TLC student or tutor. So. Um, or from our generation cool. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Hannah and Owen are behind us, um, both wearing me. giant carvings. Um, <laughs> Courtney Marama, uh, not Mar well she has a business called Marama Jewellery. Um, you might see it on Facebook. She's Charlie currently Fogarty on the, on the right. Yep. right. Um, there's, um, Rachel's been travelling as a life model I think. Yeah. Uh, Jamie's got um, an artist residency coming up yeah. overseas. Hoodie does, um, which is next to her amazing bronze um, here, Walker and uh, Mariah's, they were lovely. Jenny Sherwin's got her stuff and her jewellery in multiple galleries around the place. Mm -hmm. So it's quite an exciting little photo. It's, it's actually a cool photo because they're all pretty much all still working artists and they were mostly students at mm. the time that we were, well, we had gotten married and they're still producing works now. So, that's, um, that's fascinating yeah, the that's wonderful that you come yeah. in with and the peers awesome. that maybe start off at cert or dip and mm -hmm. watch them come through and then those who can sustain their creativity over time. I think it's quite, and, and the friends, I mean the whole place calling the learning connection and the connection that people do Absolutely. make. So. It's, it's yeah. so important to have more like-minded people around you to bounce ideas and mm. get feedback mm. and especially in the arts, connections are really important. Mm. Mm. Most definitely, feed off each other. Mm. I'm going to open questions to our audience. Because we're recording the talk, I've got uh, a mic. So I'll just need to move around the room if you've got any questions for Shailena. I'll just bring the mic over. Hey. hey. Um, I mean, this is not so much a question, but, um, but more of a memory. Uh, I remember when I um, first started here, and um, I did a bit of a talk because we get taken around to each class and um, just to see, you know, who, who people are and where the facility is. And I remember um, meeting you for the first time mm. and um, you started talking about, you know, what you're into and the hot arts. And um, the way you were talking about it, there's so much passion, mm. you know, and there's so much connection to the process. Um, it's almost like you were kind of connected to another level, you know, and I've got a real <laughs> sense of yeah. this discipline. But um, I remember after that becoming really inspired because it's so cool to have, oh, you know, cool. see an artist so connected to not just what's in front of them, but, you know, the history of it, mm. you know. Um, so there's this sort of um, ungodly fine brimstone, you know, <laughs> moment, you know, and that's, that's the, you know. Mm. And, and I see that in all of, all, all of your work, you know, I see that history. So mm. that inspired me. Oh, I, thank you very much. I'm glad that, that has, yeah. has inspired. So it was, um, yeah, every time you talk about it. Even now, you know, I'm learning so much, like the way you, you know, get people to, you know, create handles and certificates. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. Totally it's, just, it's just involved, you know, and then people build up this wonderful experience. Yeah. That's that's all it is, you know. Yeah, it's awesome. You've, you've considered all these things around your practice. I think mm. it's amazing. Yeah. Oh, cool. It does help to have people like Shay in your life who are so intense that it becomes contagious because you feel like you're not doing anything unless you're constantly producing art. It's definitely a good motivation to keep you moving. Um, I was just going to ask when you sell the when you sell the work, do you sell the little stands? So is that part of it? Yeah, yep. that comes with it. Yeah, yep. comes yep. with it. So mm -hmm. yeah, because I that really animated it. Yeah. Yeah, it can really add a, another aspect to your work the way you display it. Mm -hmm. um, I really enjoyed making those little stands, making them look alive kind do of do you plan that when you're sketching and doing your original your yes, yes yeah. so. we've got um, all the sketches from when we just started drawing i think and we had that one with the two legs at the back with the yeah. with, it just yeah, looks really so intimidating and if you don't look at it at cl up close you don't really know what it is you're like what the hell is that and it's just really <laughs> it quite a bit? creepy object um it's about that long it's quite about a, yeah tall five inches it's about so. that tall i think really yeah yeah but it's a it's a really cool thing to let people think as a viewer, as someone else who's looking at your work, especially if it's in a cabinet. In a photo, you can sort of get enough of an idea. But when you're looking at work, looking around the work, it's it's quite quite creepy and quite cool. Yeah. Uh, we, we it, it brings in the art as well, absolutely. rather than yeah. just the craft. It's mm. like a combination. Mm. You need the two. You, you yeah. really need the two to, to really, in my opinion, to really get some works out there. Really. It's quite yeah. simple, but it definitely um, improves your work if you think about how you're going to display it, especially with 3D pieces. Uh, we make lots, we make sheaths for the knives or little mm. stands that go on walls that can, it just makes it look more formal, more presentable, um, more exciting. It's great you also work towards a theme for those pieces mm. for the show. Mm. I think themes can tie together a show beautifully, especially if you've got a collective of quite a few artists. Mm. If everyone's adopting that theme, then it ties all the work together. Mm. So you talked about that creativity and that the technical skill involved of having something to work towards a brief, even if it's a loose brief, help, helps it all connect. Yeah, uh, it's good to have someone practical as well. If you're not like Shay's, definitely more the well, that's not going to work sort of person. <laughs> He's going to look at it and go, "Nah, you can't do that. It's, it's not going to happen." So I have to adapt my ideas. Like we went through quite a few stands that. I just didn't make them the right way and they broke and, and he had to go back through and go, well, actually you need to bend the metal like this or work hard in it to make sure it's not going to collapse and figure out how it's going to sit properly underneath the piece. Whereas I was just like, I like the line that it makes. <laughs> <laughs> I love Shay's brain. I've taken him a broken kid's bike and a broken power mincer and both have been fixed pretty quickly. So I love that whole thing of not having to chuck things away. Just take it to Shay, he'll sort it out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Any other questions before we wrap up? Um, I just want to ask, um, how do you two find the time and motivation? Like, you know, when, because I know that you both work, so I just wanted to know if you had any. Well, it, it's, I think the most important thing in, as an artist in general is getting into that, into the zone, I suppose, in, in art making and that, the, 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 easier you can get into that zone of working and making um, the the more you can make really so 
I've kind of got a bit of a rule, especially when I teach teach my classes as well. Um, is are you listening to music or have you been listening to music? Um, have you had water and food? And I find those three for me actually just kind of gets me into the zone, and that really uh, it really helps. You just produce works. I mean, you've all probably done it. You've just made this thing. You're like, how did I do that? And you don't even remember how you made it. And I think the the better you can uh, get into that zone, the more time you have, really, I suppose. Because that the, the time isn't really the the issue. I think it's just the more you can make in that um, moment of thinking. I think that's really important. Lino, you, know, you were telling me the other day how I think it was last week we did a pre catch up. How you would work full time. Go home for a nap, wait back up at about eight and work till two. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's very relevant for a lot of creative people. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you have to find ways around it. Um, if you're working, sometimes it's not in line with what you want to be doing creatively all of the time, and uh, it's kind of a sanity thing. And, um, <laughs> and I've found that if I'm too tired, it's not going to work. Um, but I, I try to analyze when I make something really awesome like, okay what was I doing um, and for me the I find the easiest thing is to make sure that I'm in a quiet environment um, usually got my headphones on with music or movies TV playing something so that I'm not overthinking my work because that's usually my my main problem I keep going and I can't stop and then it you know you break it or it just goes crazy because you're not letting it just happen. You're overthinking every process. So I try and keep myself out of the carving and you know, occupied with something else and just let it become a, a body learning kind of thing. You just know what to do with your hands once you start carving. You've been doing it long enough. It's that space a lot of artists aspire to. You learn a lot of technicalities of things, which might involve more thinking, mm. and get to that play, uh, place where you can just express quite naturally. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like you keep thinking essentially away from the making when you're making. You can think about it in your head, no problem. But the, 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 yeah, if you detach thinking as you're making, you'll um, maybe more or less get a, a better outcome. Yeah. Because you're not overthinking it, thinking what could go wrong? Or, and that's kind of how things can lay out sometimes if you do overthink it. Um, that's just for me personally, it might be all different for you, but yeah. <laughs> but, I find, I used to find when I was in a studio here and you're talking a lot to people and you're just casually making stuff, it used to work better than being at home just sitting in silence mm. going, I should really start from this blank piece of paper, but I don't know what to do now. Mm. And I have 500 ideas, but which one do I start with? And mm. that first line can be pretty intimidating if you're thinking about it too much. It's great that you've been able to talk so freely and honestly about the creative journey. It's very inspiring. Just lastly, have you got any other projects, plans coming up? Um, well, we went to uh, Dark City on, uh, I forgot what day it was now, <laughs> it's terrible. Monday, was it? Monday. Monday. Awesome. That's awesome Karen's exhibition. That was super inspiring. Awesome. So, yeah, Karen's exhibition. So, if you haven't gone, gone, go, because it's really, really good. Um, really cool, cool presentation. So, that was inspiring for us. We kind of looked and went, wow. We haven't exhibited, exhibited in quite a while, so that was, yeah, just thinking, oh, what could we do or what could we make that could, um, you know, kind of uh, create that spiral again.
It's good. It's and a good reminder of sometimes you breathe in that creativity from other people. Even. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's then contagious. You yep, express it. Yeah. Um, and then we went to Morgan's exhibition, which was also wonderful. So um, again, we were again really inspired and thinking, do done two exhibitions in a week. We should really <laughs> seriously think about some uh, new stuff. So yeah, that that that's sort of in the mix at this at this point. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Anything to add, add to that? Um, not really. Um, hey, both given a fantastic presentation that is excellent we're recording it for other people to listen to as well so thanks very much for spilling cool. thank, <laughs> thank you Dan. this podcast was brought to you by the learning connection school of creativity and art tlc.ac.nz